You remember 9-11? Yeah, mm -hmm. which one? rings a bell. <laughs> yeah, which one? Ninth, the one in 1911? <laughs> no, <laughs> the one where the... Uh, the plane. The where they took down the towers? Yeah, all those, all the, all the stories came crashing down, you know. A lot like when we tried to write on the Norm show. Hey, for the ninth consecutive year, uh, Nick, JetBlue Air, Airlines ranked first for satisfaction among all North American airlines. But you know what ranked least in satisfaction? 9-11 Airlines. <laughs> what a terrible name for an airline. It reminds me of that tragedy. <laughs> oh, 9-11. I <laughs> yeah, no. oh, don't laugh at 9-11 again. 9-11. <laughs> what the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so I'm so happy I could die right now. I'm so happy since you left me. I could die because I'm so happy. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody. The somewhat for profit venture, really, it's actually the supposedly for venture. Profit Venture, known as the Stone On Air Podcast, is back after a week off. It is September 15th, 2021. And if you don't like both me, at least to a certain degree, and you do not like Norm MacDonald, then you have no reason to be listening to this show right now. So you've been warned. Now, it won't be all Norm MacDonald the entire show, but it'll be a majority of. And oftentimes, I do all my pre-production on Monday. And boy, am I glad that I didn't do that this week, because if I did, I'd have to trash all of it, because I have just shifted gears and changed the show because of the passing of Norm MacDonald. At the age of 61, he had cancer that he told nobody in the public about, I'm sure his closest friends and family knew, but the uh, the average person walking around who pays attention to uh, entertainment, comedians, anything along those lines, especially Gen Xers and may maybe many boomers, certainly millennials might know a little, and then if you get much younger than that, they've likely never heard of the dude. I don't know what kind of cancer it was, but it is a hashtag fuck cancer kind of thing, and um, yeah, it bummed me out for a few minutes for sure. And so I decided today I'm going to shift gears and I'm just going to tell, uh, it's not even a very good story, but uh, tell you about the time I went to see Norm MacDonald in the last, uh, it was 2015, so six years ago. And it's it was a, a, a really cool time. One of my favorite times of the last decade or so, and really maybe one of my favorite times of, of my adult life in the last 20 years. I'll tell you more about that here in the second segment of the show. I'm only going to do two segments, the open, which is going to be lengthy, because I have a lot of things I want to catch up on real quick. I'm just going to kind of go rapid fire. I've been just kind of keeping notes to self. I took a vacation last week, and I decided for the first time, maybe ever, maybe ever, pro probably ever, that I was going to take the entire week off of all work, of all obligations, when I didn't actually travel. Like So earlier this year, I went to the beach, uh, the Gulf Coast in Alabama, and to New Orleans, and I took a real, quote-unquote, you know, total non-obligation 
week. Well, that was actually not true at all because I had places to be and I had people to meet and I had family and friends. Boy, that was exhausting. But I didn't actually have to do any work. Most times, if I'm taking time off, it's for a real reason. And this week, this past week, it was for no real good reason. Well, it's supposed to be Bonnaroo, but we all know what happened there. And uh, I just said, I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to do a podcast. I'm not going to do any uh, production. I'm not going to do anything because I just want to do whatever I want. Nothing, something, all kinds of things, whatever. And I spent one day on Tuesday last week sitting at the feed, uh, well, first at Amigos for lunch, and then the feed in the afternoon. And then I went home and drank on the back porch. And next thing you know, I was like, I can't do recording tonight because I'm, you know, had too much to drink for the day. And I was like, I don't want to do it anyway. And while there technically was plenty to talk about, it's just, I just decided not to. So I, I made a lot of notes to self. So I'll start going down that road. And I talk about the perception of time. And I regularly say, time flies and it ain't got a damn thing to do with whether you're having any fun. Well, time crawls when you take what would ended up being 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11 straight days where I did do things. I'll talk a little bit about some of those things just briefly. But when you don't really do anything important or really that matters, that 11 days, it felt like I wasn't at work for a month. It was fan-freaking-tastic. I loved every minute of it. Um, so let's see. I uh, Bonnaroo was supposed to happen on the, that uh, first weekend, Labor Day weekend. Uh, by now, if you care, you know what happened there. So there was this other festival called the Valley Vibes Festival that is, uh, or was, I should say, taking place in Wildwood, Georgia. You know where that exit is in Georgia. Just get off there and hang a left about less than 10 miles when you're there. And it was a rinky-dink, ragtag thing. Good for them for trying. It's a second or third year doing it. It's a bunch of local bands. But the weather, because as always after a hurricane, you get that gorgeous, uh, cool air coming through most of its... You know, wherever that path of that barometric pressure and wind and rain is heading, it brings behind it a nice, bright sunshine cool down almost every time. And this was no exception. And I met a handful of friends, and there was a handful of Bonnaroo refugees there. Many I knew well. A lot of them I didn't know were going to be there at all. Two or three that I did. I camped out for the weekend. Really just two solid days. So I was strung like a horse. Behold the brave. Did a little, you know, out in the woods like I would not normally do anywhere else. And had a bunch of white claws and drinks and food and man, damn it, damn it, damn it, was it a nice, um, was it a nice alternative? Now it was, you know, there was a couple hundred people there tops. I bet maybe seventy five actually paid for it. It was wasn't much to get in, and they were doing half price tickets for anybody who had a Bonnaroo wristband. Again, I don't know how many people paid, but it was very, very, very fun. Uh, I love that. Um. 9-11 since I was last talking to you, not really much left to say there, even though it is the 20th anniversary. I have watched many of the Discovery, Nat Geo's, Histories, uh, all the different channels. I don't even pay attention to what they're called, whatever I get on Hulu, like I do every year. I, I enjoy celebrating the calendar. I enjoy uh, commemorating days, whether they're good, bad, awful, terrible, wonderful. Um, I think it's fun conversation. Nothing... A lot different to say other than the recent events of of of, uh, of pulling out of Afghanistan and all the headlines that I've just not been paying attention to. Just not paying attention to um, whatsoever. Uh, I wanted to spend a few minutes on this, but I don't really have time. I saw this, and I even printed it off, and I didn't read it before I got to here. But I saw that the Times Free Press, sooner than later, is going digital. 
six days a week with only print one day a week on Sunday. I'm sure they'll likely do the Thanksgiving Thursdays and maybe a couple other things throughout the year. But that's a big, big deal. And it's not like immediate. It's not like next week or anything. But that's something worth spending a few minutes on. I'll find that article that I found and read more about it, talk more about it more into the future as it gets closer. And I do believe that's inevitable. But I don't know if it's sustainable. I just don't know. We'll see. Uh, The digital subscription is pretty damn expensive, as I've talked about on this show in the past, as I do subscribe again. I don't know how much longer later I will continue to do that into the future. But there's also a a deal with an iPad that you get with a subscription. Again, I didn't do a dive on it. We'll do more on that later. I went to the Titans this weekend. I'm a uh, these again. I'm going out of order on my uh, on my notes itself here, but I did post this on Facebook. I think it was Sunday, something along the lines of serious FOMO, guys and gals. Serious hashtag FOMO. The weather was gorgeous. Fear of missing out, of course. And I think every single person that I've ever met in my entire life. At least the ones that I like or mostly like were at the festival this weekend. And social media was flooded to the point that it was pissing me off. Pissing me off almost. Uh, That's a fun festival. That's a great venue, Coolidge Park. Who knew it would be such a great place for a festival until it was actually uh, a reality with the Moon River Fest, which is now in its, I guess it's uh, 18, 19, nothing, 20, 21. So the third year. Here in Chattanooga, of course, originated in Memphis. And while it had an okay lineup, um, Wilco as a headliner on Sunday, I'm a big fan of. Lord Huron on Saturday, I don't know much about, but I know that it's a very popular name, so I would have been interested to see how that went. And instead, I went to Nashville in the neighborhood East East Nashville, which I love so much, and saw some friends at uh, my favorite uh, watering hole I go to, the Village Pub, and met my brother and my his wife and his child and uh, my best friend who I own the tickets with to go see Titans games and just weather was, well, as hot as hell, but it was fine. And then the Titans played one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. And it was just annoying. And then I had to drive back to work on Monday after being off nine days. It was exhausting. And I was just like, God damn it. I screw. I made the wrong choice here. I made the wrong choice. I should have gone to Moon River. So congratulations to them for a uh, what looks to be a huge success. 9-11, I said that. TFP. East Ridge celebrates 100 years this weekend. Might drop in at uh, 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 Camp Jordan on Saturday and see what that's all about. Uh, I've got this new idea that's got that involves Jeff, Jeff Styles, which is not my idea. It's his, and it might be a paying gig. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that right now. Maybe some next week. Um, More on the Titans here as I wrap this up before I get to the three segments of audio I'll play for you and then just do a long second segment of the show. Um, So I originally planned on doing just typical open second, third, and then the coolest thing, worst idea, dumbest idea, whatever. And in the third segment, I was going to talk about the abortion law in Texas. And uh, I wasn't going to scream and yell and get all ideologically mad at people. I just I had some thoughts, which I still think are worth hearing. And um, I'm going to save that for like next week or another time. That's a segment that could be done at any time in the history of the rest of our lives. 
And I really do believe that even if you are strongly against abortion, if you are strongly pro-life, which my guess is the majority of the listeners of this show are probably closer to pro-choice. That would be my first thought. But I know that they're, they're not, they are not all that way because I've talked to them before. But I believe if you are staunchly pro-life, you would walk away from a few thoughts that I have because I've crafted them out as, as calmly and as rationally as I could. I've got, I was going to do a long segment on this, but I just don't feel like it now after the news of Norm MacDonald passing and there's just no reason to throw that in at the tail end. It just doesn't flow right for me. So I'll do that next week or week after that. That won't that won't be going anywhere. And so then the final segment will be dedicated to a bunch of audio I pulled from just YouTube. Uh, I tried to pull stuff that you might have never heard before. Norm McDonald's not somebody that everybody loves. Most people I know well, we all that I have similar taste in comedy, music, film, TV. Like him quite a bit, but I try to pull more obscure things that you might not have heard, and uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but I'll, I'll spend a lot of time on that. And then the coolest thing, I've got just the coolest thing, one, two, three, that are other people talking uh, about Norm McDonald stories, which I'll get to here in just a minute. But the real quick thing that I'll wrap up this segment was I was at the Titans game. It was full. It was energetic until about 10 minutes into the first quarter when it realized, we realized that the Titans just were not going to have it today. Um, I'm not going to overreact and act like the season's over, but that was as bad a football as I've ever seen. And the Cardinals beat us up and down the field all, all day long. But it was a big crowd. A lot of that was annoying, but whatever. So I'm sitting there in the beer line, and here comes walking by me Clay Travis. If you don't know who Clay Travis is, I don't have time to reset it right now. Go look at him up. But this guy's a, I mean, he's a media superstar. He's a national figure who I've been following for going on 15 years. And I've fallen out of love with, or at least the last 10 for sure. And then I've fallen out of love with in the last three to four because he's just, he's found a broed out, uh, emboldened, uh, not quite MAGA type, but pretty close, um, regular audience that he panders to and throws the red meat out at and I just I can't take it anymore I get why he does it he's a star and he's probably a multimillionaire because of it good for him but I still do love his overall talent and he came walking through and I was just like Clay Travis what's up man and uh fist bumped it's like hey how you doing man good to see it you're walking by and I thought okay that's pretty cool so um I watched or I pay attention to his uh tweets and of course he puts out Titans Stadium breaks out in USA chant after the anthem. Virtually no mask in the entire stadium. I love it. And while I agree with most of his deep down, boiled down uh, thoughts on COVID and mask wearing and mandates and the overreaction and the overall public, I I don't I, I don't lo- I don't love that. Ab- kind of approach he takes on social media he has a huge following i don't know if he's in the millions yet but he probably is and i start to look for that tweet and in 51 hours from the time he sent that tweet which would have been around 12 30 on sunday within 51 hours later i went to look for it i did the math and counted all the tweets it was right around 75 tweets in 51 hours that's about one and a half tweets per hour and that's when you take out all the hours when he's asleep. So I get it. It's a brand that the more social media you push, 
Uh, he probably has a little bit of a team and bots that do it for him, but not really. This is one of those, this is my real account types. And it's just it's just tough to follow. It's tough to be a fan of. But it's it's impossible to ignore the success the guy has. I just read uh, just yesterday as, as I was just doing a quick search for a couple things involving him and Fox uh, uh, overall, not, not just Fox Sports, the Fox News Network, which just purchased TMZ. Um, they're going all out in just sensationalized uh, news and entertainment uh, content production and distribution. Uh, well, Outkick the coverage, now just called Outkick, was started by Clay Travis, also bought by Fox earlier this year. And um, there you go. That was uh, the end of that thought. So he's a very, very rich man, but he's very difficult for me to pay attention to. But it was nice to see him and get a fist bump. All right, let's move along. So this is today's coolest thing, one, two, and three. Some of these audio will be a little long, more next segment. This is, sorry, I had to just write all this stuff down in the last hour or so. This is Artie Lang, his co-worker in um, Dirty Work. He was on Mad TV. He was a sidekick of, of Howard Stern for years. I don't know whose show is on. It might have been. I don't know. But he's talking about a, uh, I think it was like a premiere party or some kind of gathering for the uh, uh, the celebration of the movie Dirty Work. And um, so here's a story from Artie about Norm MacDonald who passed away yesterday at the age of 61. So him and Norm, Adam Sandler came up to do a part, Don Rickles, Chevy Chase. It was like unbelievable. It was great. So... Uh, the review came out in my hometown paper. The, the critic said, Artie Lang has all the charm of a date rapist. Oh, my goodness. He <laughs> said, okay, my they mother. write that? My mother read that. Oh, my God. So, this Norm, is so this, this is how smart Norm is. Within three seconds, this was Norm's response when I told him. Because he, tell, he thought I was upset. He goes, hey, man, that's fucking great. I said, what do you mean? He goes, a date rapist has to have way more charm than a regular rapist. <laughs> <laughs> like, to think of something uh, that witty <laughs> right away. Uh, that's the kind of guy. There were so many more of those that I could have choose from, and I could have done this. There's, there's hours of audio online. I just I tried to go as quick as I could. This is a story from a guy named James Downey. If you remember the Happy Gilmore movie, at the end, not Happy Gilmore, I'm sorry, Billy Madison they're doing the the triathlon uh, game or question and answer thing, and he does this rambling thing. Adam Sandler does, and the principal goes, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever." I'm paraphrasing. I've ever heard. We're all now dumber because of uh, having listened to it. I offer you no points, and may God have mercy on your on your soul. Something very close to that. Anyway, that guy was a writer for uh, Saturday Night Live for years. He's in most of the movies that Adam Sandler's ever done in just small parts, mostly writing parts. I'm pretty sure this was Dennis Miller's show or podcast at some point where James Downey is on the phone telling his Norm MacDonald story. One time we were in the office uh, doing update stuff, and, and uh, uh, there had been a news item about uh, there was going to be a newspaper for the homeless. <laughs> 
you know? And so we were thinking about doing some of that. So we started improvising. It was more of a scene, not something we could do on, on mm-hmm. the segment, but it was like a, like a tough kind of Perry White kind of editor going like, you, Miller, I want 500 words on going to the bathroom in your pants. You, uh, you know, uh, Emil, give me something. Uh, give me a human interest thing on urine stain. Yeah. You, you know, was that kind of thing? Yeah. And like a lot of, lot of like photos, maybe some, you know, a little human side, you know. Uh, what are, you know, pets, that kind of thing. And so nothing came of it, and, and I sort of forgot we had the conversation. And then the first meeting we have after the summer, uh, Norm goes to me and goes, hey, hey, Downey, remember that, uh, you know, that thing we were talking about there with the, uh, remember that, that thing with the newspaper for the homeless, you know, that thing, the homeless newspaper? And I go, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, well, you know, I was out in L.A., and I, I was asked to do this benefit, you know, for the coalition to feed the homeless, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm going, no, no, you no. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, I did that bit, you know? They hated it. <laughs> hated it. Oh, that's so damn, damn, damn funny. And that James Downey dude is freaking hilarious. And the final one I have here before... Just a bunch of Norm on the way out in the second segment of the show. This is a little spliced together um, a minute, maybe, of Peyton Manning on with Jimmy Kimmel. And then it splices to, and it's an old cut from, like, the Peyton with Jimmy's probably uh, 2005 to 10, somewhere in there. But then it's to this older, uh, grainy footage of Norm McDonald hosting the ESPYs, where he makes a joke about uh, Charles Woodson, who won the Heisman that year, over Peyton Manning. So it's not put together in live time like this. It was just done by somebody who spliced it together on the YouTube channel, whoever that is. You worry when when you're in the audience at the ESPYs that somebody's going to make fun of you? Absolutely. But I think athletes, for the most part, have pretty thick skin. I think so, too. And yeah. so, but I think it's different, Jimmy. If I make fun of an athlete, at least I've kind of been there. When they get made fun of by, like, an unathletic comedian, it's kind of different. Right, right. You know, like, like, I'm trying to think of some examples, but... Yeah. Yeah, but, like, yeah. someone... Norm McDonald. Yeah, right, like a Norm McDonald, for you. instance. Not you. Yeah. I was not talking about you. And there's Charles Woodson. How about that? I want a season he had. He became the first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. And congratulations, Charles. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you kill your wife and a waiter, in which case... <laughs> all bets are off. So that was probably like... That was probably like 1998. I believe that was the 1997 season. And uh, sitting next to Charles Woodson was, from what I could tell from the grainy footage, it looked just like Ken Griffey Jr., I think it was Ken Griffey Jr. And he had one of those like, oh, my God, holy Jesus, can you believe? That? He wasn't wording anything or saying anything. His face just was like, can you believe this asshole just said that? Um, I guess if you think about it, the 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 verdict, the OJ verdict at that time was you know, right around four years old. It might be if there was such a thing at the time as hashtag too soon. Maybe that's would be where that applies, but my God, what an incredibly hilarious, perfect joke. That Heisman Trophy, they can never take away from you. Of course, unless you kill your wife in a waiter. 
And then, as you know, his legendary O.J. Simpson jokes, which I'll give you about a minute of that here in a little bit. I didn't want to do too much of that because there's so much YouTube. If, you, if that's what you want, you can get it all day long. So let's just jump right into it. Wrap up this segment right now. Um, one of my favorite, if not, he probably is my favorite comedian. Probably my favorite comedian. The style of guy that if, if the guy is talking, I'm laughing. You know, you, the, the cliche, oh, I'd listen to so-and-so sing the phone book to me. I'd listen to so-and-so read the phone book to me. Most people don't actually, actually believe that. That's hyperbole, right? With Norm MacDonald, it's, it's almost not hyperbole. More from the great, late, legendary comedian Norm MacDonald. Next. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. People, people here asked me to do the show, you know, I got to say, I felt kind of weird, you know. I, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I used to actually be on this show, you know. Uh, I used to do the uh, weekend update news routine, you remember that? And, uh, yeah. That's where I did the make-believe news jokes, you know. That was me, right? So then, a year and a half ago, right, I had a sort of a, a disagreement with the management at, uh, at the NBC. Uh, I wanted to keep my job, right? And they felt the exact opposite. So, so you see, they, like, uh, they fired me because... They said that I wasn't funny, you know? Now, now with most jobs, I could have had a hell of a lawsuit on my hands for that, but, but see, this is a comedy show. So they got me, you know? You know, I, you know I, But now, this is the weird part, right? It's only a year and a half later, and now they asked me to host the show. So I wondered, I go, hey, wait a second here. Hey! I go, how did I go in a year and a half from being not funny enough to be even allowed in the building <laughs> to being so funny that I'm now hosting the show? How did I suddenly get so goddamn funny? Oh, I remember watching that at my dad. I believe it was at my dad's house. 1999, I think. Yes, I'm playing Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead by Warren Zevon for a reason. Bear with me, I'll get to that here in a few minutes. What a great song, first of all. Deadline.com, of all places, actually had it first. That'll make it make sense here in a minute. McDonald's death was announced by Deadline or to Deadline and from his management on the 14th. Said McDonald had been battling cancer for nearly a decade, but was determined to keep his health struggles private, away from his family, friends, and fans. And that in itself is difficult for me to understand because and this falls into the 
you don't know what you would do until you're put in the position to make a decision. Here's what I would do. I'll tell you what I'd do, goddammit. Like, no matter what it is, you won't know what you're going to do until you're put in that position. But my feeling is that if I got a terminal illness or at least a, uh, a, a disease that could very likely be terminal within, oh, I don't know, as Norm's was, less than a decade... I feel like I would want to feel sorry for myself and use that as a way to get attention to feel better about my potential end of life. No matter what I was doing, I'd like to think I'd keep working. I'd like to think I'd keep trying to be uh, active and in in the eye of the public and, and whatever it is that was going on in my life, I'd like to think I would continue doing it, but I think I would say, oh, and hey, by the way, I got cancer, everybody. How bad does this suck? Y'all got cancer? Like, I have a feeling I would be that way. But I don't know. He's 61 when he passed yesterday. He had it for nine years. That means he had it at uh, the age of 52. I'll be 52 in nine years. Can't imagine I'd feel that much different at that time. I don't know. So I commend him on that. That's 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 pretty, um, I don't know what the right word is, but that's 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 bigger and bolder than I would be able to uh to do goes on to talk about a lot of things that many of us already know he was on snl from 93 to 98 of course the weekend update oj simpson stuff got him in trouble with the executives of uh of nbc his first writing gig was with the dennis miller show in 1980 when i just crumpled it up i think it was 1985 or nine whatever the hell it was uh no 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 sorry 1991 McDonald was hired to write for Roseanne Barr's show, the just the Roseanne show, the super famous one that I had no idea until today and during the 92 and 93 season. Of course, on SNL, he did Burt Reynolds, as far as his impressions went, Andy Rooney, Clint Eastwood, David Letterman, Larry King, Quentin Tarantino, Dr. Bean, uh, Rod Sterling. Those are all great names to mention. Not a mention of Bob Dole. Are you kidding me? Bob freaking, hey, I'm Bob Dole, holding his pencil. After he was let go from uh, Weekend Update and uh, overall the SNL gig completely, he went on to have his own sitcom, Norm, from 99 to 2001. I remember DVR, or, or not DVR, VCR and recording every single show if I couldn't watch it. His co-host of that show was, um, Lori, what's her name? She was Jackie in Roseanne. She was Sheldon's. Mom, during the uh, Big Bang Theory run, she had so many sitcom successes. This was not one of them. Uh, it was really a pretty stupid damn show. But it was his show. His He had a little dog, a dachshund, that the dog's name was Wiener Dog. Yes, I am not just being a fringe fan here. I was uh, obsessed with Norm for years. wanted a dachshund. And if I was 19 or 20 then. If I got a dachshund, I was going to name the dog, Wiener Dog. Goes on to talk about several other things he's done um, that I don't know nearly as much about from Netflix and things like that. It does not mention his show on Comedy Central Sports Show. Oh, my God. I love that. It was a satire uh, ESPN highlight you know, vignette featured uh, kind of content show. Yeah, it was stupid as hell, but it was Damn hilarious. I think it only ran for like a year or two. Uh, also had guest appearances on My Name is Earl, News Radio, The Drew Carey Show, Land, uh, The Larry Sanders Show, all of which are great shows. 
The Larry Sanders Show is so underrated, almost nobody knows what it is. My Name is Earl was pretty good. News Radio was pretty damn good, too. And Drew Carey Show, I could tolerate. Movie credits go to all the ones, all the slapstick stupid ones. Deuce Bigelow, Grown Ups, Billy Madison, all the ones you know. And then a bunch of stuff I don't know. A bunch of uh, voice acting he did. The Orville, Dr. Doolittle, uh, Fair, Fairly Odd Parents. I don't know what any of that stuff is. Of course, he was the... Colonel Sanders in 2016 for a little while as I had a bunch of guest spots doing that. And, not mentioned in this, he was the Hardy star in like 1999, 2001, 3, 4, where they had the star that would talk to you about whatever this crappy burgers was. That was one of Norm McDonald's first commercial gigs. So, um, yeah, I'm almost getting more bummed out as I uh, go through a lot of this. But uh, really quick to make the... Zevon song, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, make a little bit more sense. I saw Norm MacDonald one singular time. I don't remember there being many options to see him at all because I don't know how much stand-up he did you know, in the 90s, and I wouldn't have been old enough to go. And then in the early 2000s, the mid-2000s, I just don't remember. I don't ever, I didn't go to a lot of comedy shows during that time frame. I guess I was doing music and festivals and those kinds of things i just i just don't remember but in 2015 i was going to denver and colorado in general for the first time and other than a trip out to la a couple times in southern california when i was real young and then in the mid 2000s because i have family there first time i've done anything other than that out west and this was three years after legalization in Colorado and I don't know if that was the first place that that happened but I bet it was I'm not sure it's pretty normal now was not normal then and it was my brother's bachelor party now we weren't doing any kind of traditional bachelor party stuff we were just going to Denver to basically smoke weed and go to a uh, was a Giants Rockies game and I wasn't there long I was Barely there two and a half days, maybe three full days. And it's it's an eye-opening weekend for me all the way around. I've done a podcast on it involving other things that I won't reset or deep dive into, but I had a lot of things going on that short period of time where I really, I had an awakening to a lot of things that changed the way that I thought as an adult. And that's, again, a podcast from the past, Maybe I'll do it again in the future, but it was a weekend that meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to my brother. Clearly, he was getting married soon. And we had about seven to ten of us overall coming in at different times there for different reasons. It was just a big, big weekend of stuff that just none of us were used to doing, or at least most of us weren't. So let me back up to earlier that year. It was the second to last year of Turner Field. And I always went for a birthday game in April, almost always, and several games throughout the year. And from 1997 to 2016, I was able to get in every single section of Turner Field, whether I snuck in, paid for a ticket, got a comp, got a media cred, whatever it might be. The only place I didn't get was a SunTrust seats right behind the plate, and you had to know a millionaire to get there. But I was in every other section except for the 755 Club. And the 755 Club was up there in the rafters where the pennants were hanging that went across the facade up front. The Eastern Division 
pennants, the Western Division pennants, the uh, National League Championship, and the one singular World Series championship. So you, if you, you know, can visualize Turner Field out in left field in your in your head, and my stepbrother who lives in Atlanta, I remember we were we were trying to sneak into the 755 Club, and we were being kind of slick but kind of silly, and it was the end of the game, and the 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 black lady who was. Uh, just kind of getting a hoot with these dumb, uh, you know, idiots, silly white people. Mainly, mainly uh, my stepbrother Scott. And he was just kind of charming. He's like, "Come on, it's his birthday. The game's almost over." And she was like, "You know what, honey? Y'all just go on up and have you finish out the game. You go right ahead." And it was just like so cool, right? So we charmed our way in. Go and buy like a twenty or twenty-five dollar drink. I mean, this is highfalutin area. It is like, okay, finally, I knocked another one off my list. This is pretty neat. And I'm getting text messages that Norm McDonald is going to be at a suburban club, comedy club, outside of Denver the weekend we're there. As a matter of fact, I think it was the first day, at least, that I got there. And this isn't the world of Venmo and, and apps and smartphones were pretty good but they weren't you know what they are now and i see this and i lose my you know what and i'm and i'm half drunk because i've been doing this all day and it's my birthday and i'm calling up the main guy who's kind of in charge of the whole trip or at least you know kind of who's coordinating things and i get on the phone i'm like dude whatever it takes whatever it takes i gotta have a ticket i can't go out there and miss this I'll pay double. I'll, you know, I was just, you know, being over the top. And he's like, dude, I got you. I got you. We'll take care of it right now. So that was just fun. That was just cool. Fast forward to about a month later in May. We are there in Denver. First time I ever took a lift. First time I ever did a ride share was from our downtown. Um, what do they call it? Lower downtown. Lodo. Lower downtown Denver. We took a lift. To, and I think I paid for it. That's why I knew how, you know, first time I had actually had to deal with this um, at that time. And we get out to the suburban area, concrete jungle, and we go to this. It's a pretty small club. I mean, it's a nice club, but it's very small. And we end up with this little just circular uh, table, at least for me and three of my brother and me and the guy who got the tickets. I don't know what everybody else was doing. I didn't care. We weren't front row, but we were pretty damn close. And we brought some uh, edibles with us and little just, you know, jar or little plastic thing of, I think it was lozenges. I can't remember. I, I, those, that was my favorite that weekend. And this stuff will just blow your head off. It's, it just keeps getting better every time. And I think we got a bucket of beers, but before you knew it, we were high as hell. And he comes out there and it's one of those, you know, you hear any comedian, whether you're stoned or s- sober as hell or drunk as you could be, you're gonna... Uh, you're going to hear those jokes and you think, oh, my God, that was such a great joke. My brother or, or my best friend or my dad or my whoever is going to love it. Remember to mark that in your head and tell later. You can't do it. You can't do it. But the opening when he comes out is something along the lines of, and he's referencing the legalization of, of marijuana, and he's like, all right, so you just want to blow your, you know, blow the town up? You want to set it on fire? Hell, I don't give a damn. It ain't my town. <laughs> I know my impersonation's terrible. And it was just such a way to start it off. I was like, hey, I don't give a shit about your place. I guess I don't either. Something like that. And at, at some point, I'm sitting there at my table, and I'm putting my head between my knees, almost as if it's a 
uh, some kind of uh, nuclear eruption 1950s training video of of how to duck and cover. I got my head underneath my like between my lap and through my knees, screaming, laughing, not just laughing like oh, get, like losing my mind. It was incredible. That's about all I remember of it. And then we went back down to Lodo and drank and smoked some more. And there you go. There's my one time seeing Norm MacDonald. Uh, I got six pieces of audio for you. If you want to stick around for it, great. If you don't, take care. See you later. Uh, either way, I appreciate you being here. This will take a few minutes because some of these are kind of long. This is a radio TV broadcasting fundraiser in 19, I don't know what year it was, but it was still during the uh, Clinton administration. I would guess it was somewhere around 1997, possibly. And the next four pieces of, or next three pieces of audio I'm going to give you, it's from a YouTube account that was labeled Making People Feel Uncomfortable. Norm MacDonald at whatever this fundraiser was where there were some big wigs, especially from the Democratic Party. Anyways, the dinner was great. Enjoy the dinner. We had some salmon. Yeah, it was delicious. It was great. And uh, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was refreshing to see Democrats serve something other than subpoenas for a change. I thought that was nice, you know? I'll be doing some jokes later. I just thought I'd... <laughs> uh, but, you know, it is rather daunting to me. I'm just a guy, you know? What the hell am I? And here I am, you know, I look out, I see President Bill Clinton, you know, I see Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, you know, media mogul Rupert Murdoch, you know, uh, broadcast legend Larry King, you know, uh, pornographer Larry Flint, you know, Dick Morris, the list is starting to drop off a little, folks, but still, you get the idea, it's daunting. <laughs> oh, it's so, uh, it's so good. This is... More from, um, from, from that dinner in uh, the, the late 1990s. <laughs> no. But look, the president, you know, has come under a lot of fire for raising money. But, you know, you know, he's good at He's good at raising money. That's not a bad thing. Every president's done it. It's just that President Clinton is very, very, very good at it. Do you know he has organized in the past year over 100 fundraising dinners? and over 200 fundraising midnight snacks. Did you know that? <laughs> you gotta hand it to the president. His injury is not holding him back from doing the, the business of the nation, you know. He, in fact, he just nominated Major General uh, Claudia Kennedy as the Army's first female three-star general. And I think that's great, you know. She's doing a great job. Apparently, the only thing she's having trouble with, she's, she's having difficulty figuring out how to sexually harass herself. She doesn't know how to... <laughs> What's that? Guy yells my name for no reason. <laughs> and they're panning the room, and ever most everybody is like, I don't know if in horrified is the right word for most of their faces, but it is pretty damn close. And from everything I could tell from all the years of listening to Norm and watching his performances, because that's he's pretty much in character every minute of his life. I, I can't tell if that's him every minute of his life or not, but it sure seems to be. He is a as far away from a Democrat as you're ever going to find, or at least that's where his act and his gimmick goes. Do I, I've never cared about it, didn't care about it then, don't care about it now, 
We'll have more of that right here. Again, this is from Making People Feel Uncomfortable YouTube channel, or the norm portion of it anyway. This is the one of the original incarnation of The View. It's um, Star Jones. It's Barbara Walters. It's the other lady who I can't remember who's, I think, still on the show. Uh, this is also from, uh, I guess this would probably be right around uh, 2000 of uh, the election into the new century. This one's a little long. Hang tight with me, if you would, please. Please welcome Norm MacDonald. Hi, uh, what's up, man? Okay, Norm, you're Canadian. <laughs> yes, I am. So what do you think of this whole presidential mess? Uh, well, I, I hope that uh, uh, the Democrats don't steal the election from the, uh, the winner, you know, but mm-hmm. who knows? Oh. <laughs> you like George good. Bush, don't you? I love George Bush, man. He's a good man, decent. You know, none of this. And he's, uh, you know, he's not a, a liar, a crook, murderer, or anything like that. So it'd be good to get the. See, I, I don't. I think we should get the homicide out of the White House and get like a, a, a fresh start because we don't want any more murderers. I think no, we, we should just go on to the next question. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Clinton, he murdered a guy. It's a little Darling, too that's far. That's the way it does let's work. Just, let's just go on to the next question. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh, be a good boy. Now, Norm. Do you never hear that? No. Listen, Norm, we don't need I to don't talk about I don't want to get into that. this, and I don't want to hear it, and this is not the place to make those accusations, and you're supposed to be funny. Oh. Let's get on to the next question. Get with it. There you go. <laughs> this is a live show. Not for Norm, but you have been properly chastised by Barbara, uh-huh. so I'm not going to ask the next Question. I thought it was a matter of record. Shut no, up! Uh, no. Shut up! Look, okay. let me do this, okay? okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what's a matter of record. You will not be invited back if you don't shut up. Uh, All right, uh, And I'll tell you what, that entire segment, I edited it way down. It was more like three and a half minutes or so. I got it down to about a minute 15 or 20. It was actually held together pretty well. Uh, Barbara Walters is is good at, at keeping together a, uh, a conversational show. Whether it, whether it means the content in the end is any good is uh, not necessarily the case, but it, it, it was pretty funny. And uh, it's just, Norm just never stops. <laughs> just let's move along. Wait a second. You never heard that? <laughs> Man, I thought it was a matter of record. All right, so I moved along from that. This was one joke from his stand-ups in the last decade. And there were so many that I could have gone with, but I just couldn't remember. And I didn't have time to comb through them all because there's such it, it moves so fast. But you know, again, I, I, I did this quickly, but this is one that always stuck out. The, the heart attack joke. We're all so scared of dying of things, but we always forget to be scared of our own hearts. Funny, like how. Like what we fear, how we're gonna die. It's always the ways we don't die. You know what I mean? Like we go, God damn! I hope a polar bear doesn't eat me, or some crazy shit. You know? <laughs> or I hope an airplane. You know? I got an airplane today. You know? Every time you get on an airplane, you go, I hope I don't die. But you never die on an airplane. Ridiculous. Or you go, I hope a terrorist does not attack and kill me. I hope that doesn't happen. You know? You're always afraid of that. But you think about it, what's the odds? that a terrorist will attack and kill you. You know, almost zero, you know? But what are the odds that you will be attacked and killed by your own heart? <laughs> That's good. It's about 100%, you know, I think. <laughs> Heart's not good. 
People think it is, but it isn't. People like hearts. They go, here's a Valentine's uh, heart. You go, oh, yeah. They go, that guy's got a big heart. I go, you better fucking watch it then, because... And attack and kill him. I don't know if he knows that. And uh, that's a longer joke than that, and it just gets better. But uh, there you go. Two left. Um, the final one is pretty long, so we'll get close to 30 minutes on this segment. I'm just giving you a heads up. This is just a fast taste. Uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, well, you wouldn't be here right now. His many years, two, three straight years of relentless, nonstop, sometimes consuming the entire news update on the Saturday Night Live broadcast between 93 and 98-ish, whatever it was. Here's just a few that I quickly grabbed off of YouTube this evening. Thanks, I'm Norm MacDonald, and now the fake news. Well, it is finally official. Murder is legal in the state of California. <laughs> on Tuesday at 1.15, the moment the Simpson verdict was delivered, Court TV scored its highest ratings ever. An hour later, the channel went out of business. <laughs> when Simpson trial juror Gina Rodborough returned home this week, her little girls were delighted to have her back. And no wonder, she lets him get away with murder. After initially vowing never to rest until his wife's killers are brought to justice, O.J. Simpson this week changed his pledge slightly. He now vows to have sex with hot-looking models. Simpson had been discussing marriage with girlfriend Paula Barbieri, but reportedly she has called the wedding off. Her fear was that if they married, she would be brutally murdered. And then, and then someone would try to pin it on OJ. It's, it's just nonstop amazing gold all day long on YouTube. And the final one I'll do here, I'll explain it a little bit on the front end and then um, and then be done with it uh, as it ends. Again, it's about uh, three and a half minutes or so. My uh, father's a podiatrist, so anytime, or was, he's retired now, but any podiatrist references, there's some in Seinfeld, there's uh, some in other uh, pop culture, television, movie uh, mentions here and there. And uh, so anytime we, we see this, we... You know, make sure my dad sees it or talk about it or whatever. And um, there's also many, 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 like, very contemporary or maybe not even that contemporary anymore comedians that herald this joke as just, like, a work of geniusly weird, odd, only Norm can, but, like, this is incredible. It's not like a, you know, knock, knock, who's there. You know, there's so many different variations of comedy. And so some people, especially people who don't know anything about this dude, are going to hear this and think it's the dumbest thing they've ever heard. And you might love Norm MacDonald and think it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. But there's many, many people who know a lot about this industry that disagree completely. And uh, my family loves it. It's told, at least for the, the main time that I know, on the Conan O'Brien show... He was on with David Letterman countless times. I could do a whole podcast of his appearances on David Letterman, but this is on Conan, uh, probably still on his NBC show. The moth joke is, is as simply as you need to put it, and this will put the wraps on today's podcast. 61 years old it was Norm MacDonald when he passed away yesterday. 
your material comes uh, from, the, from the news. Is that right? You know, no, you, some you, of my material comes, my strongest material comes from real life. Real life? Like, for instance, today I was driving in a, a car. Mm -hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio. <laughs> we, send, we send cars for our guests, yes. Yeah, so I got in it, and that's, I, you know, I get material that way. So my driver, What do you mean? What, what, how do you get material that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the driver we said to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. <laughs> you, yeah, that guy. No, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh -huh. he, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right. You are correct. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm -hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise, and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, yeah? And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night, I, I sometimes wake up, and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. She, she fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. The cold took her down, as it did many of us. And my other boy. And this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy. Gregaro <laughs> Ivanilitovich. I no longer love him. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade once How long a drive all, was this? <laughs> do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moss, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, because the light was on. <laughs> it's so stupid yet so brilliantly, absolutely perfect.
Oh man, oh man. I hope uh, I hope you guys and gals, however many of you are still here, enjoyed that. I uh, I I knew I loved the man. I knew I was already uh, a super fan and one of the biggest fans that I've ever met in my life. But I found out today more and more that I could have done this for hours and hours and hours and hours. And that trip to see him in 2015, of course, that wasn't the reason for going. But with that kind of serendipitous kind of fall into place and what was already an enlightening kind of weekend for me, one of my really most important weekends of my adult life, it's hard not to, to think about that a lot tonight and if you've been here for a while you already know and if you haven't i'm sure i'll touch on it again at some point on the way out with warren zevons things to do in denver when you're dead norm mcdonald rest in power as they say 1959 to 2021 we'll do it again next week see you later bye Stay.